Um, I'm Yvonne Kapik, and I'm coming at this sort of research to practice um, webinar on board planning from two perspectives. So as, um, as a faculty member, a researcher who studies um, board governance and leadership, and then also as a founder of uh, a software application named Board Checkup that um, has helped, uh, that uh, that's a pra best practice application to help boards um, uh, fulfill their governance responsibilities and improve their effectiveness. So sort of wearing two hats here. And that's why this series is called Board Research to Practice. And, um, and it really uses the board checkup methodology, which is to surface issues, to talk about them, understand why they exist and what you can do about them. And hang on a minute, I'm trying to move my, oops, sorry guys, we lost, sorry. I lost the presentation, just a minute. Are you seeing this full screen? Yeah, I saw Okay, it. okay, here we go. So the sort of agenda is that framework, um, talking about the board's role in planning. Um, what issues challenge boards um, within the planning uh, function, talking about why these challenges exist and um, what have boards done about them. So I'm gonna draw evidence from the research, uh, from a review of the literature, and then uh, some common uh, best practices related to this topic. And, um, Maybe before we start, I know maybe just because there's just uh, the the three of us here, maybe just um, introduce yourself and you know what interested you in this topic. So maybe we'll okay. start with you, sir. I am a member of a board of directors of Christian University at Colombia at Medellin, Colombia. And I'm interested because we are planning, you know, in a hard environment. Yeah. And oh, I would like to know. I would like to know more about the, the planning, the role of the board in the planning of the institution. Okay. Excellent. Okay, we definitely we're going to cover this today. Okay, John. And uh, hi, hi, Caesar. Is, is that how you pronounce it, Caesar? Caesar. Caesar. Okay. Cesar. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, John. Yeah, yeah. I'm an educator with Michigan State University Extension. Um, I've been to several of Dr. Kafik's uh, presentations at conferences. Uh, in particular, uh, one that's held uh, every couple of years in normal health times <laughs> in, uh, in Kansas City, and uh, have used the um, the board checkup with one board. Um, unfortunately, that was at about the same time as the fee structure changed, and they 
weren't uh, able in the midst of the, the whole COVID thing to um, decide to hang on and, and do some follow-up. I did some work with them um, using the results of the their use of board checkup as kind of a pretest uh, for the for the educational piece I did with them. We spread that out over the course of about a year. Uh, their board was meeting on Zoom, so I was joining them for the first 20 minutes or so of each of their board meetings. And uh, they really appreciated the format. They really appreciated the, the ability to focus on you know, one topic at a time and connect that back to their, um, the evaluation that they had done of their own board. So um, just interested in, in learning more and, and continuing to make that more effective for the year and a half or so I have left before I retire. Okay, great. Well, just to let you know, we do have when with the subscription, if uh, a board is in has financial difficulty, there's a a waiver of the fee. I, so, they, have a, they have a new executive director, and I'll mention that to her when I talk with her here in the not too distant future. Yeah. So, yeah. So if there is some financial hardship and it's a decision, you know, to do this or this, you know, that I think that constitutes or to that you can't do it because of a fine for a resource constraint. I, there's that option there. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, then some boards have used it. So um, just to know that. Okay, wonderful. Well, I think I've, I'm going, I'm glad that you're coming in. John's coming in from an educational perspective. We're certainly going to touch on the, the value of education. So um, this is what a review of what we talked about in last month's webinar, one of the sort of overview of what the board's responsibilities are within the governance function. And today we, we, we covered, sort of briefly covered all of them, but today we're gonna zero in on the top line, um, which is uh, mission, values, vision, goal, um, and priorities. So around the board's responsibility um, in, that, in this area. So uh, I wanted to, you know, maybe just quickly pause here to say, um, do you think that uh, in your experience, and I know, uh, Cesar, you mentioned, you know, what, what are the challenges? So in your experience, either going into it or having been part of a planning process, were, did any issues surface for you? And maybe just top of mind, just throw them out. Well, I think that we used to be a seminar. People okay. came to the seminar and was a presential education. And now we are going to virtual education. So part of the, that's nice for one side, but also there is problems because less people go presential. So in some way, we have problems with the planning of the infrastructure, money and things like that. And okay. we are developing the virtual part two. We are doing pretty well, but anyway, there is discussion about what is better for a people who is going to become pastor. 
is okay. going to or develop evangelical education, something like that. And most of the financial are from sources, not for the for the cost of tuition, nothing like that. But okay. we get donations. So it's hard to plan to develop a thing. And I was curious about how we're doing in the in the companies in the in the nonprofit. Yes. Okay. So, and John, in all your experience, what do you think the, the issues are in your work with boards? Uh, you know, the one I hear the most is we just got so many issues that are on our plate right now that we have to make decisions on that it's hard sometimes to just set all the other stuff aside and, and really do some, some forward thinking planning. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Great. Well, um, so, you know, it, these are in the board checkup, these are the items that um, pertain to planning, the board's role in planning. And so um, these are the issues that board members either agree or disagree um, exist in their board. So not enough, having not enough time to establish a clear mission and vision not having enough time to explore um, changes in the external environment and opportunities, um, not learning about the concerns of stakeholders um, externally who could influence the organization, not um, learning, doing a good job about learning about the concerns of communities that have a stake in the organization, holding creative thinking sessions, learning um, about innovations and how they might be useful. Um, there isn't a clear, well-developed plan that lays out the goals and priorities um, for the organization. And, or there may be a plan, but it doesn't get operationalized or implemented. So these are the issues that board members would have, um, would have, uh, reflected on in the checkup. And this, this is, uh, these are the results of those items. So you can see here where I've got the red, these are the top challenges facing, um, facing those or, or perspectives of those of 7,000 board members who have assessed performance of their board. And you can see that, um, these four fall into the agree um, that they exist to some extent in their boards. And, um, and so, or they somewhat disagree, but not strongly. So in what that looks like sort of summarized is I put board checkup highlights um, using a dashboard of red, yellow, green. And so here, um, and it also surfaces um, top challenges and the strengths. So I put in red here what the most salient issue, um, and that would be rarely holding those thinking sessions and finding new ways the organization can develop. And then in sort of orange are these other ones, not having enough time, again, to explore opportunities and challenges, 
not doing a good job of learning about um, what external stakeholders concerns are and learning about the concerns of the communities that the organization serves. So those are sort of the, the more um, salient issue from the perspective of board members. Now, why do these things, why do these issues surface, right? And why do they exist? And I think Cesar, you, you mentioned this when you first came on and we were talking that the environment is so turbulent. There's so much yeah. change going on. We're coming out of COVID-19. It's really hard to understand the issues that are facing um, the organization. It makes it really tough to plan in this kind of environment. And so, you know, that's a, a very valid and reasonable explanation. Um, but there's also, and I think this was reflected um, in our earlier conversation about what is the board's role in planning vis-a-vis uh, -vis management and having sort of, you know, does the board and management, quite frankly, have the leadership competency to, um, to, to take, to be effective within this, um, within this function, which clearly lay, lies within the governance um, function. And then is there enough development of leaders, both management and board, um, in this planning role? So I love hearing, John, that you're still involved in education because we're going to get to that um, in a minute. And also, you know, another, uh, another explanation is that, again, going back to what um, John was saying, there's just simply not enough time to examine mm -hmm. Uh, sort of big picture questions and you know the focus is in this environment on the day-to-day -day and and putting out fires right and so this this doesn't the the big picture thinking doesn't happen and or um, it could be that the structures within that um, board don't allow this to occur and that could happen for example, on the, how meetings are structured and facilitated, the type of agenda, you know, and David Renz, one of the, you know, key scholars in the field of nonprofit governance talks a lot about this and the use, the practical value of consent agendas to move routine matters off the agenda and, um, and allowing more time for, um, for, for thinking and discussing the, the issues. And so that's a real practical tool um, that could allow for that. But also how are committees structured? How does the, the board organize itself for this to occur? And who's providing oversight of whether the board is actually meeting its responsibilities for planning? Does that is that assigned, for example, to the governance committee, and um, or is there a task group that's been assigned to um, provide leadership around this process, so it doesn't bog the entire board down and derail all the other work that it needs to do. So these are just some of the explanations um, for mm -hmm. why boards experience um, difficulties. 
And so, you know, what is it the natural? Okay, well, what can we do uh, to increase effectiveness? And, you know, this is a, not a simple, there, there's not a simple answer to this question. Um, mm -hmm. So it's got multiple parts to it that I'm going to cover. So the first uh, part in addressing this and increasing effectiveness is getting clear on the concept. What's strategic governance? What's planning? And what does a, an effective planning process look like? And so here's where I'm going to go. Um, and I'm going to draw from the literature on, on this, on the, this first um, um, treatment. And then, and then talk about the board's role in planning. And there is no one best role for the board. It has to be decided within, you know, the characteristics of the organization. Um, but, you know, there are some, some boundaries, right? And, and there's some guidance here on what that could look like. And then ensuring uh, there are enough resources. So, you know, Cesar, you talked about donations and, you know, having, how do you fund and, and resource this kind of process? And having enough resources not to facilitate it, to access reliable data and to manage the process to avoid the pitfalls. This is really important as well. And, and your process can fail because it simply didn't have enough resources um, behind it. And then finally, I'm going to talk about a framework of that has helped. And I know um, from the board's that have used board checkup. This comes up a lot. This framework has really helped them. And I've actually been on boards recently and been testing it out myself. And I know that it works quite well and um, um, provides a, a really re, you know, rational way for people to grasp what this, this looks like. What does planning sort of look like big picture? Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. So getting clear on the concepts, first one, you know, what's strategic and what's strategic planning? And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing here from Chait Ryan and Taylor on the strategic, on, you know, sort of the bigger picture questions and, uh, you know, that the, that you you address in a in a planning process around who you know who who do we who are we serving but who should we be serving you know yes here are the services we provide what services should we be providing how should we provide them and what resources must we have in order to provide them and so it's sort of alignment of um with your financial resources with your strategy here sort of a, you know, we'll talk about resource development in another session, but it's about, about um, strategic budgeting as well. And what is planning? It's really just the process around establishing the mission, vision, and values and priorities that provide that guidance, that framework for the organizations, where the organization is going, and what that looks like and its success measures. Now, Chait Ryan Taylor lay out on the planning process, 
more and less effective approaches to planning. And this is vis-a-vis -vis management. And less effective approaches tend to look like what's on the left-hand side, where the this, this is done in isolation outside of the board. Management prepares the plan, it presents it to the board, and it, um, it lays out the resources that it needs. It's usually just an extension of what's already happening and changes very much incremental. And the board then approves that plan and um, sort of may talk about what have questions around this, but simply more of a rubber stamp to that. And then the board's role as a, as a fiduciary is to monitor that and in its strategic governance role would just monitor whether those that plan has been achieved or not. Now, what Chait Ryan and Taylor um, say is the more effective approach is really around working collaboratively. And this is where their concept of governance um, as leadership comes into play. The other one is leadership as governance and uh, where the plan uh, is generated with the board. So there's a lot of collaboration. It does focus on the big, hairy, audacious goals, the bigger picture questions. The board's thinking strategically and advising the CEO and directors do provide valuable input into that process. They are a source of insight. They do come from different communities. They are supposed to give voice to those as part of their duties, their legal duties. And they work really together to provide consensus about strategy. And, and this sort of work builds in what Chait Run and Taylor called generative governance, where strategy emerges from a this kind of collaborative process. And mm. um that and within that, you know, the board really does need to specify the data that it needs, it needs to, it needs to make sense of this. So it's very much um uh, engaged the board in the planning process. And the board then can change itself um, to organize itself around those priorities. And I'll give you an example of that, where in a board that um, a couple of boards uh, that I've been linked up with um, and served on and still serve on some of them, uh, where we, we restructured our committees around those key goal areas so that more, more of this kind of... Um, uh, work could be done in committee to find out and very focused on what's happening and still working collaboratively with management around that. Um, because again, you're planning for the future using the best data that you have now that, you know, stuff happens along the way and it's rarely a linear process. So the board can organize itself around these, these priorities and then it, and it create those structures where that those plans can be monitored and maybe the operationalization of some of them, especially farther out goals, can be thought through um, uh, 
and utilizing the strengths in that board. So, so these are just sort of uh, the planning process, what, what an effective one looks like, you would observe and, and a less effective. So the, then the key question really is, so you sort of understand that, what is the, what is our, the role of our board in, this, in planning? What is the board's role in planning that you would ask your, you know, any board would ask itself if it's considering reviewing this question. And, um, you know, roles then here stem from leadership um, of both the board and staff, right? And I talked about this shift from governance as leadership to, le and then the opposite as leadership as governance. Those are those two, uh, two styles. And so, you know, the leadership role, and I think, Cesar, you were talking about being clear about this, right? Between the board's leadership role in the planning process and management and having a conversation about that. Again, the mo more effective approach would be to collaborate, um, but to be clear on what, who's doing what in this and getting clear on that process with um, um, <coughs> making sure that all those elements occur. And then how are decisions made? Like who owns this? And, um, and then getting clear about the board's role as sort of the owner of the plan, making decisions about it, and the board uh, the board as a whole, not the individual committees that will make recommendations. And then man work management having to operationalize this and implement it. And you know, you can have, you can fail because these aren't very well set out or they're unrealistic. The, the plan is so, so future oriented, it can't be operationalized. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, a lot happens within this, this, um, this framework. So the third treatment area I mentioned earlier was about ensuring there are enough resources for an mm -hmm. effective process and making sure that that's managed. Like who's gonna do that? And so some of the dilemmas then that emerge are, you know, who's on your board? What's the composition of your board? And, you know, not most boards lack this, they lack even basic governance expertise, never mind experience and competency in planning. It's a lot to put on a board member and so does the board even know what its um, leadership strengths and gaps are? And has that assessment been done? And so that's important um, to consider, like who's on your team, right? Mm -hmm. Who's on your team? Who do you need to recruit? And, and this is where actually, I think governance starts to get more functional where you do then look at your board, not just as decision makers, but board members playing functional roles based on who they are and what they bring to it. And the research around inclusion shows it's through functional inclusion. When you align someone with their leadership competencies to, um, to a task or a role, 
where they become really effective and the board becomes more effective as a whole. And so it's giving thought that not everybody is the same. Yes, everybody has the same voice. They get one vote, um, but they're not everybody is the same. There's diversity here. And, and I'm talking about knowledge and leadership competency in this context. And then um, the other part about what can undermine planning is where's this data coming from? You know, when it could, you know, management, where is management getting its data? What is their independently generated data? Or is it, you know, that has to be, where is it coming from? And how is it data being used to inform the planning process? And this is where the board's really needs to needs to ask those questions and specify the data that it thinks it needs or should be researched to come back. And um, then you, you'll know whether you've got a robust, whether your decisions um, you know, really have been made, have been informed decisions, because that is the one of the legal roles. We talked about this last month, which is about um, the duty to be informed, right? And, and doing your due diligence on that. So when you do make a decision, it's in, it's, it's both informed and in the best interest of the corporation. And then the other dilemmas around the plan, going back to that less effective approach, is it really strategic? <laughs> you know, I, I was in a board meeting actually this week where, um, where we, we are about to vote. We haven't yet, but we are very close to voting on a strategic plan. And it had been identified that none, the next step was to operationalize or to review what what the operational what operationalization of that plan would look like, and that would come back to the board next. But then in the management report, it seemed to me that a lot of the stuff that was in it was already being done, and so it wasn't needing to be operationalized at all. And so I asked, well. When you send this out, could you highlight what already has been operationalized, has been implemented, and what hasn't? Um, so, you know, that's just a sneaky way, I think, of maintaining the status quo. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, it's something that that was a good question, and, and it was pretty obvious that things were already happening and nothing was, some things weren't new. But it, we never would have had a conversation like that if we weren't engaged in this collaborative um, form of development. And so, so that was, you know, well received. And the the ED said she would do that when she sent it out. So um, making sure there are enough resources all around, like on the board, who's on your team, who do you need. Um, and same with management. And then whatever gaps you have, you can fill them. Education is certainly one of them. That's why, John, I, I was happy that you're here. Um, so this is a big opportunity for board development. And you know that can take place before planning in a retreat. You can build those kinds of things in um, 
And and really, especially if you're going to be shifting roles from being a rubber stamp to uh, collaborating. Now, at my university that I was at, um, one of the universities, I was asked to facilitate the board checkup with the board of the university. And so I did. And um, I worked with the board to facilitate the results that were generated by it. And we organized, we organized the committees, existing committees took on different questions that were issues. And uh, one of them came up around planning. There was a there was an issue about planning, and that it was around the board having been a rubber stamp for the plans that the college had brought to the board. And so, um, anyways, I there was a really good discussion in the the meeting that we had to results. Lots of um, insights generated and. That was all I had at that point. Then, uh, then I was on the other side. The next, uh, so that happened in the fall. A year later, the board uh, on the faculty side, sitting around the faculty table, the board chair came to meet with the faculty to say that it had redefined its role in planning in the university. And it wanted to talk about how the board, how planning would happen and get the faculty's feedback. Well, I was sitting there going, wow, I can see how this had resulted in a real change in behavior of that board and how it saw its role, its leadership, and how planning was going to unfold. And then I listened to my colleagues who were just baffled by this change. How did this happen? This has never happened before. And, you know, all kinds of questions. So on both sides, there's a lot of work that has to be done if you're going to shift from one style of leadership to another in the governance function around this. So um, so some of the challenges then around managing the process. So, you know, you it, it's not going to be linear just because you've got the stack team, you think it's got all the leadership competency you need. You've educated your board, you've resourced this properly, you can still get into trouble and challenges can emerge at every step of the way. So, you know, the big, so part of it could be a lack of planning. So even if let's say there's just no, a lack of planning per se, um, can result in drift, mission drift. You're just sort of going anywhere. And I've been on boards where I've seen that happen. Of course, we read about this as being a big problem, but it does happen uh, more often than we think. And so, you know, what are some of the opportunities around that is to really ask those inquiry questions. And the board checkup helps to you to start those conversations. And the way um, I think its value in this regard is that it's designed to be safe. You know, these are not easy things to bring up, but it's it's structured in a way where no one knows who said what everyone completes it so there's some common 
um, there's some validity around that, especially if, if you've got all the opinions on the board of where people stand on these issues. And that's really helpful. Um, but it does provide a framework for you to have these conversations, just like I had this week about what's been operationalized and what hasn't. That question wasn't taken, um, was taken really positively, but that may not be the case, right? If you've never had created an environment that's safe like that, where people can give voice who are really interested in the best interests of the, of the organization. So asking you, these are opportunities for generative thinking, having those inquiry questions. I'm gonna show you, I think I kept this in what inquiry questions are. I had it um, last month and you really can have a set of standard questions if people don't know. Um, Bloom's taxonomy is a great one where you can dial to the type. If it's a no lack of knowledge, you can ask knowledge-based questions. If it's a lack of analysis, you can ask those kinds of questions. If it's an evaluation, there are evaluation questions. Um, the other one around values. So not having any values articulated. Um, there's a whole shift now in principles-based evaluation that are based on values that can um, make your strategies evaluable, like articulated in a way where they provide clear direction and you can measure them. And so that's a whole approach in itself called principles-based evaluation. It's based on values. And I've been involved, I went to um, a workshop about three or four years ago on it. And now I try to, I facilitated it with one of my academic programs with the community. And it really is a wonderful framework because it provides clarity for everybody on what it is you value and how, what the boundaries are around it. So I really like it. Um, the other one about the vision, is it unrealistic or is it same old, same old, um, you know, really needing this scan of the environment, you know, what's going on to be able to envision in a sort of predictive way and what's realistic, what evidence do you need you know, and and so you need to, in, that needs to be informed. Um, the scan, so again, not enough data. Um, and then do you have data and or do you have access to it? So I think rethinking your information systems, again, not only to inform planning, but once you have that, do you have the data and the systems in place to get reports on these things systematically. And so again, aligning up those in, the information systems around it so you can see where you're at. Um, the, the goal setting, so a challenge is, and I see this a lot in these planning problems, what the priorities are. And you can't do everything at once. And you have a turbulent environment maybe you can only set certain ones now, right? And be clear about those. And so that really is an area where 
I think it's so it can be exhausting and people run out of steam, I think, when they get to that part. Um, but um, again, those priorities are really important and you can categorize those um, and then divvy them up. Who's responsible for what? Again, you know, if you align your your structures with these things, you can keep tabs on them and move some of the work out of the board, and, but get reports on them. Um, on the implementation, are they linked to this to to the uh, operational plans, and how's that happening? And you know, that's a really that needs to be teased out and and. CEOs really that's in that's where they can go back to staff and figure that out and have a robust discussion and I always say you know when boards start really governing then EDs are going to have to start really managing <laughs> and they're not going to be governing anymore which you know they creeped into this role they're going to have to start managing and and it's going to be strategic and there's a lot of tools and resources out there on the management side. And I think this is where management has to say, hey, we need a lot of development here. It's not going to happen overnight. This, this also needs to be resourced properly. Um, and then accountability. Um, you know, what's a plan without, you know, understanding where you are and and monitoring that and using the, the data generated from it to, you know, course correct or identify factors that, um, you know, that are having an impact on it that you can talk about, like, you know, COVID-19, you know, you may have had the best, the best plan in the world in January of 2020, but in March, it went out the window if, and I'll give you an example of this. I was part of a program where I was moving everything online. Um, and a lot of the stakeholders, they didn't want that. They wanted face-to-face. -face. There was a lot of resistance, a ton of resistance to it. And uh, COVID-19 happened. There's never been, and there was not face-to-face -face for years, right? For those two years. And it's so silly not to plan for the future, right? Because that's what planning is and being and not being clear about that and the impact. Luckily, I didn't listen to them <laughs> and put everything online. And we we operated without a hitch. Like we we just um, moved, kept our classes. We didn't have to train our faculty. They were already trained. We already had put our, and we we chose platforms that were highly engaging, that had that were that were um, where you could facilitate, you know, teams and collaboration and all of those things were those decisions were so, you know, so again, um, luckily we had planned well for that, um, and that that resistance um, didn't derail it. Um, we, there's so many examples of resistance to big, hairy, audacious goals. Like, have you, do you remember the company called Blockbuster? They don't exist anymore <laughs> because they, a company called Netflix came along and they didn't believe in that model. 
And Netflix knew what the future was going to be, and it went all in, and Blockbuster didn't. It actively resisted that change, and they don't exist anymore. But their board members pushed on that. If you read that case study, you will get resistance to things that are very innovative. And how are you going to manage that? Okay. Right? That's a tough one. I don't have an answer to that yet. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Here are the questions. So these are, this is just an example of what Chate Ryan Taylor talk about, you know, kind of questions that lead to strategic governance or in fiduciary governance um, from an inquiry perspective rather than this sort of yes or no dichotomous. Um, stale questions, you know, like, do we have enough money? Yes or no? <laughs> do we have enough money for that? To what is the implications of our investment in that on our other existing programs, right? We're going to make some strategic investments here. Um, how do we know whether this is the, this X connects to this outcome that we have that's so important to us? How does it connect? Can you explain that to me? Um, what criteria are you using to suggest that course of action? Um, what would predict this outcome? Or um, what changes do you think would happen if you did that? If we implemented this, what do you expect to see? And how are we going to manage that? Or how are we going to collect data on that to monitor it? So these are just some of the questions um, that lead to, you know, uh, strategic thinking or conversations, generative governance types of um, engagement at the board level. The last um, question then I talked about was this framework. And we get this a lot, um, boards using this framework to help them to have the conversation um, around planning, to think about, well, what are sort of the, when you're thinking about planning, rather than getting into it, what is a planning framework? What are some of the questions a board should address in um, planning, in a planning process? And so this comes out of a book Vic Marie and I wrote in 2014, and it's available. You can download it for free. I have it here. It's just a, a, yeah. a short book. And um, in the planning section, um, it has this as a treatment and basically provides an overview. So the board at the beginning could understand what questions really it needs to um, address in a plan. And um, and they don't all have to be addressed in the order here in which that's listed. Um, for example, I've used this framework myself with several boards. I took several boards through that that I was on with this in the last few years. And we started um, we started with uh, change and our SWAT. And we then um, use that to talk about the mission and vision and values. And 
Um, and then we led to um, goals and priorities. And, um, and then, um, then, then operationalize them and then restructuring the board around them. Um, and now actually in one of them, we are on the last one um, because we have to, we had, we didn't have access to data that we needed to be able to, to monitor this and to report to our funders. So a lot of the strategy was funded by government and we, we must report on it with the best data that we have. And so now we're reviewing um, our systems and tools like online tools where, um, you know, we're sort of a dispersed organization where that data can be entered and reports generated that give us some idea of where we are. So that this framework um, really is, uh, um, it, it's been reported by boards who use the checkup and, and, and um, used, I've been involved with it. On the research side, so what do boards change after they come back at a second point in time? So John, you know, your board that you worked with, did they only do it once? Yeah. Okay. So if you came back, so this, the data from this for this question comes from boards who came back and assessed their performance again, but before they did, they had to complete our impact assessment. And it asked questions about, well, what happened? What changed? Was there any change made at all, if any? And then um, the coordinator inputs it in the dimensions assessed using their own words. But the uh, in the area of planning, the the key the the changes over and over and over again around strategic. In fact, I'm going to show you a word cloud, and only one two words came out of the hundreds of boards that re responded, and that that the board was more strategic and engaged, um, and and it was more assertive in that example I gave you in its planning role. It became clear about its role in planning. Now. Um, in terms of changes that, um, yeah, the, of changes. So overall of all the changes that boards make when they assess their performance, 43% uh, of those who came back reported specific changes in planning, in their the board's planning role. Um, other changes that are related to it, like board composition, for example, like they're not just, you know, they're related to other areas. Like who do we need to have on this board? Do we have the leadership competency and so on? So some questions for you to consider and, you know, given all the, you know, failures of planning and, you know, Henry Mintzberg, a Canadian scholar at a McGill, um, who's quite cynical about planning, He's written many, many books about it, you know, has no faith in planning, quite frankly. And he thinks it sort of fails to influence anything. Just talking amongst ourselves, why do you think that is? 
Is there anything we didn't cover, perhaps? No, it's pretty complete. Hey, let me ask you something. Can we have the PowerPoint? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll provide it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like John, what do you think? I think there are both many reasons why that are, how to categorize them. Strategic maybe there it's, it, it's a, it's a failure to, failure to implement because of, let me go back to the first one. One is just simply the, the lack of will. We get all done with the plan. We still like the status quo. Whatever the reasons are, we just go, yeah, okay, we've got a plan now. We did our planning, but we're not going to do anything with it. We just, we just don't have a will to change. The other category that pops into my head is more about a thousand other reasons. Um, you know, we all agreed on X, Y, and Z as things that we had to get done, and we just didn't have the money to do it. Or, right. we, didn't, or we didn't have the staff resources. We didn't right. have the staff expertise. We, you know, a thousand different reasons why we wanted to, but we just weren't able to, to carry through on it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, go, go ahead, Cesar. Oh. Now, about eight years ago, we have a very serious situation in the institution. And we work with the, the book that you mentioned there. And we made several changes. In the last eight years, we do very well. But now, after the pandemic thing, we get problems again. Okay. And several of the members of the board retired, and we have to put new people. Then we have to try to, you know, to capacitate the people, the new people. And we are in that point. But also, there was there were changes in the government politics right. about the education. And that right. was, now we are again trying to change. The, we are looking how to, to develop planning and things like that. Sorry, I have to leave because I have a problem right there. Okay. Maybe I can wrote something and send it to you if you give me the, to explain what I was trying to say. Yes. It was and nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you. Nice Thank meet you very you. much. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oops. All right, John. Well, um, this is sort of all I had. Just sort of, um, you know, if you come back with, uh, come back with the board that you're working with mm -hmm. um, to do it, you'll do that impact assessment and. 
you know, if it's been a few years, um, it would be interesting to see what issues were addressed and what, you know, remain uh, challenging, um, but maybe um, more clarity, because that's what we're seeing with repeated use. Mm -hmm. uh, we covered that last time. So the value of performance assessment isn't in one-time assessments, it's over time. Yep. And we see both board directors, boards, and organizations becoming significantly more effective with each assessment. Um, and so that tells you that you can't just, planning is going, developing that confidence can take time. Right. Um, and learning will happen within the process. You can't dump knowledge into people. It's experiential and they'll learn through it. Um, and the next time they engage, they'll learn maybe different things. Um, and um, they will develop develop as leaders in this area. Um, so, which I have actually, having been through it and reviewing that data and really being challenged to see, can we really implement in practice? Can we put theory into practice? And my my answer is yes, mm -hmm. but it does take time. And I think taking on the issues and knowing that this is a continual improvement process, that's what's incremental, not the plan, for example, right? Yeah. Development of the board is incremental and, need, and needs to be part of that process. So... Anyways, I, I forgot to plug my computer in, so I'm getting a low battery uh -oh. sign, but um, really great to see you, and uh, maybe we can catch up sometime soon.